Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're not made right with God through the law. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus. And we have believed in Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. He is telling this verbatim to Peter. He's calling out Peter and he's, he's saying, listen, Peter, you know as well as I do, uh, the only way, the only way is through Jesus. And it's not through the law. In today's message, Pastor James will warn you about works-based religion. Works-based religion just means that you do things in order to gain favor with God. You try to read your Bible, pray, do good deeds, volunteer at your church, all in the hopes that it'll make you good in the eyes of the Lord. But the truth is, you don't have to do any of that. All of those things are good, but only when they don't equal your salvation. Christ died for you before you did anything to gain favor. Salvation is a gift. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. When these supposedly important people weren't around, Peter had no problem sitting with the Gentiles. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, when, you first, when you first, he first showed up, he was, he was eating with the Gentile believers. And, and for them to eat with Gentile believers before Christ, would be, they would be making themselves unclean because Jews couldn't eat with Gentiles because breaking bread with somebody else who's not a Jew would be, you're defiling yourself. But they're not under the law anymore. So Peter's got no problem sitting with these guys and breaking bread with these guys. These Gentile believers were not circumcised. None of them were circumcised, just like Titus. None of these guys were circumcised. And Peter was okay with Titus not being circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So there's the problem. And that problem is called hypocrisy. It's two-faced is what it is. Here's Peter, when these important guys, quote unquote, aren't around, he's hanging out with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. They're eating bar- pulled pork barbecue, extra bacon, all that good stuff. I mean, they're just living it up, right? No issues. Like, you know, the dairy and all that stuff's on the table at the same time. I mean, living it up, living the dream. Then when the important religious people show up, Peter can't be seen with these other guys. He can't be seen. I mean, he can't even be caught dead sitting at that table. He's got to be over here with this table. Why? Because he was afraid of their criticism. He was afraid of their criticism. Peter, the most, at this time, like the most influential guy in the church. And he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. Biggest complaint against the church, right? I don't go to church because people are nothing but hypocrites. Well, yeah, we are guilty. At times, guilty. Yeah, for sure. So was Peter. So was Peter. 
Does that make it right? No, not at all. And if, if that's an element of my life, then I should repent of that because it's sin. And Peter, and he, we, we know he, this would be addressed later on, he would repent of this for sure. But Paul's like, he's gonna call him out on it. He goes on to say that as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter's act of hypocrisy led other people astray. There's the danger. Listen, be who you are, okay? Be who you are. It might be a messed up individual. The Lord work on you and all that good stuff, okay? But the, the church needs less fakers. The church needs less posers right now, right? Do you have it all together? No, you don't. Nobody's expecting you to have it all together. The only person who's probably expecting you to have it all together is yourself and you're lying to yourself, okay? So you trust the Lord, he's working on you, you're a mess, I'm a mess, we'll be perfected in heaven, okay? That day will come. But until then, you know what? Just treat people like people with dignity and respect as if they're created in the image of God because guess what? They are, they are. Whether they're circumcised or not, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Whether they agree with you or not, it does not matter. It doesn't. They're made in the image of God. You should treat people with respect. Even if they're not a believer, you should treat people with love and respect. It's just how it is. It's how it is. Peter is... Man, he's just like, one day he's sitting with the Gentiles, the next day these other guys show up and he's like, he's just, he's just stonewalling these guys. Like, he can't even have anything to do with them. And Paul gets in his face, he calls him out on it because what Peter was doing was damaging to the church. His actions were damaging to the church. He was leading people astray. That's a good lesson for all of us to be aware of. Your actions can either lead people closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus. Now let that resonate within your heart for a second. Your actions can, so if you choose like, well, I won't associate with these people because they're not like me. Well, who are you leading down that same path? Or you might say, you know what? I've been saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. And he's called me on a mission to love people. So I'm not gonna exclude anybody from my life. I will sit down at whatever table in the cafeteria and hang out with whoever I need to that the Lord puts in my place. You want people to follow that example, okay? Paul goes on to, to let these guys know, verse 14. He says, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, that's again, they're not even obeying the, own, the, the true gospel message through their life, through their actions, they're not being obedient to what the gospel actually is, that God so loved the world and everybody included within the world, both past, present, and future, regardless on, even regardless, hold, hold, hold on tight, even regardless of their political standpoint. Oh my goodness. Wait, God loves those people? Yeah, he does. He does. Wait, you pick, you pick the side. And he loves those people on the opposite side of you, right? He loves them, okay? I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you, but God loves you, all right? That's, that's, part of the, that's the heart of the gospel message, that he loved us so much that he would come and die for us. 
So they were not following the truth of the gospel message. He said, I said to Peter in front of everybody else. So here you go. Here's the schoolroom cafeteria, cafeteria scenario. Paul calls out Peter in front of everybody, in front of everybody. It says, uh, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, Peter, you were eating that bacon cheeseburger yesterday. What, now you're a Jew? Now you're, what, you follow the law now? But yesterday you were free from it, but today, what, you're, you're under it again? He says, you, you're living like a Gentile. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? Paul or Peter, why are you hanging out with these guys who say the, all these guys have to be circumcised? And it's not that Peter couldn't hang out with these guys, but Peter was being influenced by these guys. And these guys, their message was, all these other losers, kinda, if you're not circumcised, then you're not right with God. And that's a lie. He goes on to say, you and I are, are Jews by birth, not quote unquote, you need to understand that within that text, okay? Because it says not sinners like the Gentiles because that's, that's not an offensive thing. He's using quotations there saying like, you and I were born Jews, not sinners like these other guys. Yet we know that a person is made right with God or is justified by God, by faith in Jesus Christ, not, not by obeying the law. Should we obey the law? Yes. And let me tell you, it is wrong to murder somebody, okay? I hope that's not a newsflash. I hope that's not the first time you've heard this, but it's wrong to commit murder. It is wrong to steal. It is wrong to lie. It is wrong to, it, those things are good rules to have in place, especially for a society. We need these things. But the law is not gonna get you to heaven. The law will never get you to heaven. The only purpose of the law was to show you that you are a sinner and your only hope for heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's it. He says, we're not made right with God through the law. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus. And we have believed in Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. He is telling this verbatim to Peter. He's calling out Peter and he's, he's saying, listen, Peter, you know as well as I do, uh, the only way, the only way is through Jesus and it's not through the law. And what you're doing through your actions is, is communicating to these Gentiles that it's, it's Jesus plus something else. And that's not right because you have turned your back on these Gentiles and you're associating with these guys and their behavior. And really they're delivering a false gospel over here Peter, you know better than that. You know better. It says, not because we have obeyed the law, for none will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That it's, try as you may, you're, you're never gonna be made righteous by obeying the law. You're just not, it's, it's not gonna happen. It says, um, he goes on to say, suppose we, we try to be made right with God through faith in Christ. Uh, we seek to be made right with God through uh, faith in Christ and that we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. That would mean that Christ has led us to sin. Uh, and he says, he goes on to say uh, a parenthetical phrase there, absolutely not, right? He's like, no, that's, that's ludicrous, okay? He's like, we're not gonna follow Christ and then in the end of it all figure out, God's gonna say, hey, listen, I'm glad you followed my son, but you didn't keep the law and so you're out, 
right? Because then that would have meant that Christ died in vain. So of course, of course, Christ's sacrifice was enough. Verse 18, rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Now, this is the apostle Paul who is like the Jew among all Jews, the rule keeper of all rule keepers. Like he's the man, right? He was the man. And he would even say that as part of his testimony. He's like, he's like, listen, concerning Pharisees, he's like, there's nobody like me. There was nobody like me. I was the guy going on mission, arresting Christians and dragging them out of their homes. That was me. He's like, nobody was a better Jew than me. And he came to the realization that the law, the law was not going to get him to where he wanted to be. He says, I stopped trying to meet all his requirements so that I might live for God. Because when you're, when you're in bondage to the law, listen, you're not living you're not living. You're, you're, cutting your, you're cutting yourself short. There's no freedom there. There's no freedom at all. You're, you're, you're held down by the constraints of the law. And if you, if you do this, if you do this, this, and this, and, and trust me, I mean, there's, there's more than just the 10 commandments. There are hundreds. Read the Old Testament. There are hundreds of laws. And if you miss just one of them, just one, you're out. You're out. I had a friend who was caught up in a, in a cult, Okay, um, it's a very legalistic cult, and every once once a week they had to um, you know they had to cleanse their house of all kinds of stuff, and not only their house but their cars. And he said it, it got to the point where he was cleaning out his car, and he was under the impression that. But he said it got to the point where as he was cleaning out his vehicle, I mean he was trying to get the absolute last bit of crumb, any leaven, no leaven meaning any cracker, he's eating a saltine cracker and a crumb fell you know, in between the, the seats. He was on a mission to find every single crumb because if one little crumb left, was left remaining in his vehicle, that meant that he was unclean. I mean, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. That's bondage. That's bondage. That's like, that's no way to live your life. And in fact, that's not living life at all. It's not. And Paul's saying, he's like, look, that, that way has been destroyed. So why are you building it back up? It, it goes along with the same thing. Um, I shared this Thursday night, I think. Um, it's been a long week. Um, th- when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, okay? The veil that kept people from going into the, the, the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple, like no passage through this thing. Like there's a big thick curtain that's there. When Jesus died, that thing was torn from the top to the bottom, okay? Meaning God tore that curtain. He ripped it apart. Uh, it wasn't too long after that event that a new curtain was put in its place. And whether it was a brand new curtain or they sewed up the old curtain, a new division was built back up because that's what we do as human beings. We like to complicate things. And when it comes to our relationship with God, for whatever reason, we really like to complicate things. And what he has torn down, for some reason or not, we like to go back in and try to build these things back up, these walls of division. And that's what Peter was guilty of. And Paul was calling him out on it. This, and, and just this, this attitude, this element of, of hypocrisy within his life. He's like, you can't, you can't be like this, Peter. 
You can't be okay with these guys one day and then the next day turn your back on them. You can't be like that. Christians cannot be like that. We, we don't get the right to treat other people differently. We don't get the right to do that. And we don't get the right to treat people as if they're lesser than we are. And listen, I, I understand standing behind a pulpit and just the, the element that comes along with that, the danger that can come along with that for, for pastors, because we see it a lot, right? I mean, you can go to conferences and stuff and, and sometimes pastors don't even have, you know, and I don't know why they do it. Sometimes they won't even sit at the same table with normal people. Why? Why? I've been at retreats, a speaker at a retreat and the retreat host, and I get why they do this to a certain extent. Um, when I was a youth pastor, uh, and they're like, no, 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 you don't have to sleep with in the same room as all these other people. We have a special room just for you. And every time I told them, you can keep your room because I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to be with my kids. Number one, these kids are nuts, okay? They need me in there. And I'm not going to leave my leaders in there. That's ridiculous. And no, I'm not going to live in a, in a room for a weekend all by myself when all my kids are in this, dormi this dormitory. I'm gonna be with them. But it's a common thing. And again, I'm not faulting those guys, I understand, but there are a lot of people who are more than willing to embrace that and say, you know what? That sounds like a good idea to me. You know what? Dinner with some other higher up guys in the Christian church away from all these other people, sounds like a good idea to me. And I'm saying, it's not, it's not. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you've done that or if you do that, but who are we to make distinctions? And I don't know the reason behind all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. But I just know this. Um, I want to be like Paul. Paul was willing to sit with the Gentiles and he didn't care who showed up. Oh, who just walked in the room? Oh, Billy Graham just walked in the room? Okay, I'm going to go sit with that guy. You know, Paul's like, oh, it's cool. Pull up a chair or go sit with those guys. He wasn't impressed by anybody. He wasn't impressed by, impressed by anybody. He was impressed by one person, and that was Jesus. And Paul, Paul his, his mission in life was to be like Christ until the end. My mission, who I want to be like more than anybody else, is Jesus. I just want to be like him. Because he just didn't seem to care. He would talk to anybody. A woman at a well, when it was not proper for rabbis to talk to women out in public, especially by yourself, Jesus was like, hey, tell me your story. I got time. <laughs> Give me some water. Let's talk. That's, that's who we, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus was willing to, he was willing to hang out, you know, and, and to minister to lepers. He wasn't running away from the lepers. He wasn't afraid of them. He wasn't running away from the sinners and the tax collectors. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. And Paul modeled his life the same way. Peter did too, to a certain extent, but he had this one moment in his life where he didn't. So let's wrap this up. One of the most common familiar verses in the entire Bible, right? Galatians 2.20 goes on to say, my old self, has been crucified with Christ. Or yours may say, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of the gospel. And Paul's saying, listen, this life, it's not even mine. It's not even mine. I, the fact that I'm alive and breathing, it's because God wants me to be alive and breathing right now. So I'm not afraid. I can be cautious and I can be smart about living in a world that is quickly falling apart, it seems like, and all sorts of bugs are out there and all that good stuff. But I'm not afraid of that because I'm gonna be here as long as God wants me to be here. And Paul's saying like, this is like, look, I, I'm, I'm dead in Christ. Like I've been crucified with Christ. I'm alive in Christ now. And that's what he's saying. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He gave, he loved me. He gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Jesus to die. And so he just kind of throws down the mic after that statement, but he's let, he lets Peter know, he's like, listen, Peter, this can't happen. This cannot happen, and it can't happen in churches. We can't, we can't make distinctions in that sense. Now, we can make distinctions in the sense of people who like to come through these doors, and maybe they're wolves in sheep's clothing, and they want to mess things up in there. We are on guard of those people, and we, we can judge people by the fruits of their lives. We absolutely have the right to do that. So if somebody's going to come in here and try to mess things up, just like they were doing in Galatia, we have every right to say, hey, hold on. Listen, we don't want any contrary gospels in this building. It's Jesus, and faith in Jesus alone is more than enough. So we are always on guard for that type of stuff, but anybody has the right to walk through these doors. Anybody has the right to sit in one of these chairs and hear the word of God preached and to hear the gospel proclaimed and to hear the fact that yes, God does love you and that he did send his son to die on the cross for you. That's, everybody has the right to hear those things. So we don't make any distinctions concerning that. Um, as, as, as Christ's followers, I would say, I would encourage us all to, let's make that the mission of our life. Don't exclude somebody from your testimony or your witness, okay? Don't exclude them. They may not look like you. Well, that's fine. I got a lot of friends who look nothing like me and I praise God for that. I praise God for that. They have different testimonies than I do. Their, their skin color is different from me and I praise God for that. I absolutely praise God for that. They were raised differently than I was. I'm so grateful for that. Share the gospel with anybody and everybody. If the Lord brings them into your path, by all means, love people, but don't just love them without sharing the gospel. Love them by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Share Jesus with them. Share Jesus with them, okay? Don't just be like, oh, I love you, and I know you're doing stuff that's probably reckless and dangerous to your life, but I love you. It's like, no, that's foolishness. You come alongside them and say, listen, I love you. Let me, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me in my life? Can, I, can you give me a second to share that with you? That's how we love. That's how we love. So there's no distinctions there. We're all, it's the ground's level at the foot of the cross. And if you're a believer, then you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. So you need to get in a really good habit of each and every day, waking up in the morning saying, okay, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. What do you wanna do today? Because your life is his, it's his. Your schedule, your planner, it's not yours, it's his. So let them have control of it, okay? Trust him. Just trust him with that. Oh, do 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love, man, and give it.